When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and you're listening to Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I'm going to be replaying a session from my 2020 mental health retreat. If you would like to listen to the full episode and watch the video from the session without any ads, sign up to Patreon today. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Dr. Caroline Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. One more note before we begin. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please consult with your personal physician if you have any medical questions. And now, on to today's episode. Okay, so traumatic brain injury. When I started, as Max said, and we, in this field, I really did not know what I was doing. And it was really experimental, and I didn't know that it was going to have the impact that it did. But I'm very, very happy that I pursued it because I would not be here today teaching you this stuff if I hadn't first initially did that, re- did that research in traumatic brain injury. So traumatic brain injury is very pervasive. It's much more pervasive than we actually realize. It is called the silent epidemic. And it is an area that we have not paid enough attention to, and most people have some level of traumatic brain injury because you've fallen off a bike, you've bumped your head, you've fallen out a tree, um, you've fallen out of something, you've bumped into something, you've knocked your head on a, a closet door really hard or something. Uh, we've got this mantelpiece in, in our um, bedroom above our fire and I don't know why I whack my head on that thing way too often. So I have to do some extra brain building to make sure that my brain isn't like damaged so that I can keep working. I mean, I'm making a joke now, but seriously, we are, the, it's very, very pervasive and we mustn't ignore it. So up front, if you go into a lifestyle of neurocycling, you do not have to worry that you're not attending to it because when you neurocycle, you are attending to any kind of TBI that you have in your, in, in, that you potentially could have suffered as a child or as an adult or whatever. So you get mild and you get extreme, obviously, like anything. And even things like concussion will cause da- brain damage. Anything that where your head gets hit, where you knock your head around is going to cause brain damage of some level, but it can regrow. And there's certain subtle symptoms. And because as humans, we physically do repair quite quickly, especially children, it often seems like we bounce back, but there can be these subtle signs. The scary thing with trauma, with any kind of brain injury is it's progressive unless you, unless you manage it. And that's why I'm so happy to teach you about the neurocycle, because if you do what I was teaching in the last session, and you do the brain building, which I'm going to tell you about in this session, then you are going to be doing the right things as a general part of your lifestyle that you may not be directly working on a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, but you are going to be, that you maybe don't even realize you have, but you're going to be benefiting your brain in case you do have it. So it's being proactive and 
preemptive to use these systems. It's going to help repair your brain and build resiliency into your brain. So your brain is on, if you, if, if you look at my hand, your brain is, there's your spinal cord, there's your brain, it's on a stem. It's not attached in the skull to anything in the skull. Thank you. And so therefore, when you have any kind of bump on the head, your brain gets whacked around your skull. Okay, and this is the problem with any kind of bump to the head, is your brain gets whacked around the skull. So what we have happening is if the, at the point of impact, if it whacks the skull there, that sends a shockwave to the, to the brain. And very often we have, we'll see damage um, on the other side. It's called, we see a shearing, it's called a shearing of axons. It's called diaschisis, a shearing of axons through the brain and little lesions that can form through the brain. Now, a lot of this spontaneously will heal, and a lot of this will spontaneously go away, but it's still not, we don't pay enough attention to it. We, because if you just leave that, and you don't stimulate your brain quite directly, um, it can get progressively worse. Seeds Daily Symbiotic is a pre- and probiotic two-in-one capsule that supports your gut health, skin, health, and so much more. There are 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains, the first of its kind, not to mention they're sustainably delivered every month. In your first purchase, you'll get a glass jar that is infinitely refillable. Your monthly refills are delivered in compostable, biodegradable and recyclable packaging. After taking seed for a couple of months, my body feels great. Seed is whole body experience as it supports ease of bloating and healthy regularity, but it also supports heart health and smooth, clear skin. Get 15% of your first month's supply of Seed's Daily Symbiotic by visiting seed.com forward slash Dr. Leaf or by using the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. So let's have a look at the slides. So traumatic brain injury is caused by an external force. This is extreme, a blast or a fall to the head, leading to disruptions in brain structure and function. It's a substantial threat to public health. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the United States, it contributes to 30% of all injury deaths. And in 2010, 2.5 million emergency room visits. The hospitalizations or deaths were associated with TBI. So it's also known as closed head injury and concussion syndrome. Um, it's more prevalent than we think. It's, and it has very complex and pervasive and kind of weird long-term effects on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being a minor bump to 10 being um, you know, something more severe like a car accident. So no matter how minor it may appear, never, ever ignore a head injury. Always going to a process of re-stimulating the mind and brain through using something like the neurocycle. And there's different ways you can do it, which I will get to. It's more widespread than we think. Um, okay, there's enough stats there. It's projected to become the third largest cause of disease burden by 2020. And it's known as the silent, or 20, that was back already on 20. 21. Um, silence, so it's even worse now. So it's known as the silent epidemic. It's commonly accepted that the majority of traumatic brain injuries are mild in severity. So it's commonly accepted and make up between 70 to 90% of all traumatic brain injuries. But this number is most probably an underestimation, okay? So given that many, many TBIs go untreated, Okay, and approximately 47% of traumatic brain injuries are caused by falls, specifically amongst young children and adults over 65. And then other things can be sport injuries, which would be chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, 
I don't know if you've heard of that. Okay, so that's something I used to work with as well in my practice. So sports injuries causes a very um, specific type of TBI. And um, there's other examples there. Um, blunt force, trauma, car accidents, violent physical assaults, and so on. So it's a common injury. Um, and the brain, and I've just explained the brain's not anchored. Okay, so... Before I carry on, I want to just apologize. I was supposed to apologize at the beginning of the session. I'm sorry I went over the last session. Hope you can forgive me. Um, I was been 30 minutes over, and I'm not supposed to go over. And I will stick to the time from now, and I hope it didn't throw you out too much. But we'll make up the time. But I like to teach you everything that I can, and so sometimes I get over-enthusiastic. So I hope you were all okay and had a long enough break, and we'll make sure that it doesn't happen again. I've been warned by my team. <laughs> Are you all okay? You didn't mind too much. Okay. I'd rather give you too much than too little. I don't want you going off here thinking, what do I do? You know, so I'd rather you... <laughs> Sorry? Someone shouted something there. Oh, you'll stay till 10. <laughs> okay, so when we talk about damage from a... TBI, it basically damages um, across the brain. So when we talk about shearing of axons, it means chopping through and cutting through when that, that shockwave tends to damage the, the, the dendrites where the memories are. So it affects processing and memory and all those kind of functions. So that's just another slide showing that. We also find that once again, like COVID and like um, toxic thoughts, there's inflammation because anything that is damaging to the brain, the immune system responds and the um, the, and I spoke about this earlier on as well, so I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. But the immune systems of the immune cells of the brain are the microglial cells, and if we don't attend to the damage, if we don't deal with the source, then the microglial cells will get in. They'll, they'll, they'll be overfunctioning, and that in itself can increase damage. So it's really important to address damage as quick as possible, um, and because the microglia can affect brain tissue, and then that reduces activity. These are similar things to what you heard earlier on with COVID. Um, so concussive brain injury, this is now, so very, just also, as I said earlier on, there wasn't much research done on traumatic brain injury. And even now there is not enough being done, but there's more being done, thank goodness. And very recent research, this is really, really recent research. And I was really excited to find this because it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, concussive brain injury or traumatic brain injury seems to reprogram genes. So Basically, and that, and so in simple language, um, I think I've got the next slide is much easier to follow. Um, here we go. Look at that bullet point. There is a lot of research showing that this, that a head injury, any kind of head injury, disrupts the master gene, and the master gene tells the other genes what to do. So when the master gene is thrown off, then the other genes in the don't know what to do, and when genes are not functioning very well, that affects healing. And it affects and it affects how you are functioning, and which then reflects in how you are functioning. So it can create a lot of confusion in the brain. So genes have the potential to become different types of proteins, and TBI can uh, can damage the master genes, which then can lead to damage of other genes. And the gene changes don't seem to settle down. It just keeps these weird changes keep, seem to keep happening, which is probably the reason that there are such long-term effects from a traumatic brain injury. Okay, so a little bit more, little bit more technical. Oopsie. Um, 
TBI changes the way energy throws, flows through the brain, and then um, the um, what we also see is that genetic changes seem to disrupt specific areas in the brain as well as having a widespread effect. And then this, you, you can pick up a QEEG is very useful in picking up the areas that have more damage than other areas so that you can focus in on, on working on those different areas. So those are, that's some of sort of the mechanisms of um, traumatic brain injury. And some of the, then I'm going to tell you a, a little bit of a story that will help you understand what to do about it and what, it, what, how, how you, what you can actually do to prevent um, the symptoms of TBI getting worse. Some of the symptoms, if it's left, they have, it can lead to, especially if it's more severe, things like Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's. And we see this very often with people with sports injuries, that they land up getting Parkinson's and Alzheimer's a lot earlier than um, early onset Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Um, you can have a lot of um, post-traumatic stress. You can have, it can lead to strokes. Um, very often, attention, uh, ADHD, which is not a, a, not a disease per se, say, but it is symptoms. These are, this, it's, you can have symptoms of ADHD, which is concentration, focus, distractibility. You can have autism types, type of symptoms. You can have um, depression. It can, it's a very big part of people that have had inju head injuries. You can experience the symptoms of depression and so on. So the strangeness of TBI, this is the strange, this is when, when I work with people with traumatic brain injury, this, there's this very interesting, strange component. There's a lot of frustration with someone who's had a brain damage, any kind of brain damage any level they remember how they used to function but they can't function as well as they used to function so there's a recall I used to be able to do these things I used to be able to function well like that etc but I can't do that so I had for example CEOs of companies that were um, that were like had a terrible head injury and they could remember that they were like a really good CEO and so what what I would do would be help them to regrow their brain and very often they would change profession so they would then we found this happening it was very interesting how they would then go like CEOs of companies suddenly going back to becoming an engineer or something like that changing literally changing professions and also you can get certain things like sometimes um, that you can have a, a talent that gets loose so you get what you call a savant syndrome where people can have a really like major bump to their head or major sort of issue uh, kind of TBI issue and then they can suddenly do something that they couldn't do before now this is not that common but it does happen and it has been recorded and there has been research on that um, and then also um, there's well, another thing that happens with TBI is there's a massive emotional change as well. So the frustration of remembering how you used to function um, leads to a lot of that emotional frustration. But the other side of the coin is that there's a lot that the shearing of axons disrupts a lot of the functionality of the brain, which then leads to a lot of the high, highly reactive emotional states and mood swings. Um, so the, there's often a strong language change as well. And by language change, you'll find things like tangential speech, where lots of extra words and to try and explain something, but you can't quite work out what the person is saying. Um, and all the, the opposite, where they battle to find words, so they don't say as much. So there's word finding problems or lots of other words kind of just 
all over the place that don't seem to make sense. I mean, they're trying to explain something. These are fairly extreme, and you can get mild versions of this too. Another thing is oversharing, which is the disclosure of inappropriate amounts of information and detail about personal life that can happen. Um, easily get frustrated when people don't understand you. So these are symptoms, okay? Um, Easily triggered in emotional situations, don't control voice, tone, body language well, especially when triggered. So all these symptoms can be so mild that they can go unnoticed. So they can be really mild, go unnoticed, only occur occasionally, but unfortunately they are progressive if they're not managed. But there is hope, okay? And so here's now a very I can tell you a, a lot of stories but I'm going to tell you one that I actually ended up doing my master's research on so I did a whole research project and that triggered a lot of other work in this field and that was with a patient of mine that I had just literally started practicing and just literally started digging into this research and started doing research in this area of TBI and um people with stroke and Alzheimer's and that kind of thing. And this particular patient had a terrible car accident, um, was thrown from the car, was in a coma for over two weeks. Um, At that point in the late 80s, if you were in a coma for longer than eight hours, the neurologist would have told you that your brain damage was irreversible. Now we know more and we realize that that isn't always the case, but um, that that definitely not always the case, that we need to give it time because the swelling that happens in the brain from the damage from from a TBI, especially something like a car accident, when it does go down, a lot of people do come around um, and do come out the coma. But this person was in a coma for two weeks. It was pretty long. And the parents were told that this particular patient was, the neurologist said these words to them, your daughter is going to be a vegetable for the rest of her life. And it just breaks my heart when we say things that we don't shouldn't say to people and I know it wasn't intentionally it was done to prepare the parents for the worst because that's what they expected to happen but we've got to be so careful of the words that we use now thank goodness that there's more training now and people are a little bit more medical professionals are a bit more careful we know a bit more about head injuries so those extreme statements are still said but hopefully not as often as before anyway the parents didn't listen thank goodness and they just said we're not giving up and they had uh, they brought family members into the hospital room they always had someone with their daughter always they always had her favorite music playing they had her favorite tv shows they read to her they had her friends come in they did not give up and when this young girl did come out of her coma she actually heard conversations she said i heard when you told the nurses to go out of the room when they were speaking negative things about me and I heard this and I heard, you know, as, as time progressed, she heard more and more. And so that, and since then, there's been a lot more research and evidence showing that people in a coma can hear and that we do need to give them more time. So these are, that's another whole thing I can spend hours talking about. But basically, the, she came out the coma, learned, sort of started learning how to walk and, and, and talk and stuff again because there was a lot of physical damage. And the parents contacted me when it was just after their first year. So it was within the first year. Now, that's the most used to be. We know now different things. But at that point, the first year used to be the most important year. And they said, if you, whatever has happened, if you come out of a coma and you survive extreme traumatic brain injury, if you get through the first year, that's whatever you, however you land up at the end of that first year, cognitively, emotionally, socially, um, that's it. That's kind of where you're going to stay the rest of your life, which is so 
you know, like dooming and so negative. But that was because people were not understanding about the gene changes and the progressive nature and how you can actually arrest that process, which we know more about that now. Thank goodness. Anyway, I didn't know all this stuff because I was trained at that stage to understand it the way, the wrong way. <laughs> but that's, that's where science was at that point. But I tried, I just couldn't see that that could be every, anything that you, the only thing you could give to a patient, like no hope kind of thing. So I just started saying, okay, well, let's try stimulating the brain through the mind. And I started developing the neurocycle concept. And I was, as I was doing it, these people, this family heard about me and they approached me and they said, please, will you work with her? I said, I can't guarantee anything. I had no clue if this works yet. So they said, we don't mind. We do anything. And so we started a journey together that changed my life forever. And I will forever be grateful to Lee, who knows I use her name because she is a huge part of, of where I got to in today. I can stand before you and tell you this stuff because of her. And thousands of people now we've managed to help using this system. It's 2022, and we've come a tremendous way in terms of innovation and technology. Yet, traditional healthcare for the large part hasn't changed much in 50 plus years. Your biology is unique. It's time your healthcare caught up. Enter Wild Health. It's a precision medicine service available everywhere in the US that combines an in-depth genetic analysis with extensive blood work and a lifestyle assessment to provide you with a fully comprehensive picture of your health like you've never seen it before. You'll receive a 50-plus page report covering everything from your optimal diet, exercise and supplement routine to your risks of chronic disease and recommendations on how to prevent them. You also get paid with a dedicated doctor and health coach who will help you understand and apply the biggest opportunities for maximizing your health. What I personally love is that they focus on brain health too, everything from dementia and Alzheimer's risk to overall inflammation. They even look at specific genes around your circadian rhythm to help you optimize a sleep routine. And their protocols are so different from traditional healthcare. Your health team might recommend a mindfulness plan or hot cold therapy instead of going straight to prescriptions. It's truly a different approach to health driven not only by your genes, but by your lifestyle. Discover what you can do to achieve your best health from the inside out. Get started with Wild Health at W-I-L-D-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash D-R-L-E-A-F. And enjoy an exclusive 20% off with the code Dr. Leaf. That's wildhealth.com forward slash D-R-L-E-A-F with the code D-R-L-E-A-F for 20% off. The link and details will be in the show notes. By the time I was working with Lee, it was a year post-injury. She, it was phenomenal how she had recovered. Um, she was walking. She was talking. She sounded funny. She looked funny when she walked, but she was pushing through. She was determined. She was absolutely determined to go back to school and finish high school with her peer group. This happened in her um, 10th grade, so she missed 10th grade and most of 11th grade. Um, and it was kind of halfway through 11th grade when they approached me. And she all she wanted, that was her goal. But when I first assessed her, she couldn't even function on it. She was like literally functioning on a third, fourth, fifth grade level. Emotionally so frustrated, very depressed, very anxious, frustrated that she couldn't, that she could remember how she used to function and all that stuff that I said earlier on. She was really manifesting with all of that, since that, that, those emotions. So, and this is how you deal with head injury, okay? I've learned since then and refined it, obviously. But I said to her, okay, 
Lee, what is the most important thing for you at the moment? What do you want realistically? Said, I, w- I want to go back to school. I said, how are you going to get there? So I want to do 12th grade with my peer group. I'm going to do it. So I'm stressing that because a key part of her healing, and I saw this with all my patients and anyone who's I've ever worked with is, she was absolutely determined. No matter what it took, she was going to do it. That kind of motivation is not going to come from a therapist. A parent and a therapist and a family member, you can encourage that, but it's going to have to come from within. And it will come from within if you know that there's there's a potential chance to heal. If you think there's no chance to heal, then there's no hope. You've got to put hope into people. So if you want someone to start working towards their healing for anything, and that goes to that question that the gentleman asked me last, um, last night about how do you get someone to start wanting to heal, is they've got to see that there's hope. And they've got to feel that there's value in who they are as a person. And so her parents had worked so much on we value you. There's a hope that she was just filled with that. And that really helped her to make the choice to do the hard work that we had to do. And so we took her schoolwork. We started at fourth grade, fifth grade level in her subjects. And we focused just on the academics. I didn't focus on any emotional stuff. I didn't work on the depression, the anxiety. Um, We just focused on... Brain, using brain building, the neurocycle, to learn how to learn. So that's the other use of the five steps. It was the first part of developing the five steps. The emotional stuff that I just told you about in the previous session developed after this that I'm about to tell you. So first of all, we took her schoolwork and we started doing the five steps. So the first thing was literally to take a paragraph. We started with history because it's, um, it's, it's, it's content-based. It's easy. And she was, she was very interested in history. So we started with con- context like that. Then we progressed to science and to mathematics. But we literally took a paragraph. The first session, I'll never forget my very first session with her. We, she chose a section of work and she, we read the first paragraph together. She had her reading was was pretty good. It, you know, this was obviously I've had other patients where their reading was so damaged. So it took time to build their reading skills, but then we used audit, auditory um, reading to them and then helping them that way. So she read the paragraph and then we stopped after reading two or three sentences. So she gathered, she read. That's the first step. She actually read that paragraph out loud using her finger to guide her eye movement. When you use your finger to guide your eye movement or you can use a pencil or a pen on the page, you actually bring the two sides of the brain together and you increase alpha wave, which helps to then um, get um, dig deeper into your, into your uh, connect the unconscious and the conscious. So it just helps you become more intuitive. It gets balanced between the two sides of the brain, does a lot of amazing things when you read with a pencil. So we should get, if you want to see something quickly, if you want to find something quickly on the page that you want to show someone, what do you do? You take your finger and you go like that. So you want to zone in, tune in, use your finger. So that was one of the first things. She read with her finger, out loud, that paragraph. That is how she gathered that information. And then we stopped and I said, okay, Lee, what have you just read? I asked her. She answered, I've just read, I don't know what I've just read. I said, okay, look back at what you've just read and take your pencil. And now circle what you think are the most important words. Tell me, read it back to me and circle as you're reading. So she read it back to me and she circled as she was reading it back to me. And she circled 
at the end of that paragraph, if we added it up, it was about 15% of, or a third, about, it was about a third of the, sent, of the couple of sentences. And then still looking at it, and you'll see why in a moment, still looking at it, I said, okay, now can you tell me what you've just read by looking at this word you've circled? And she, she said yes, and she started trying to explain it back to me. So she was looking at it, looking at the words she had circled, and she said, I've circled too many words here. And she took some of them. I said, which ones do you want to take out? And then she took some out. And then she said, okay, this is what I've read. This is what it means. And so this, you know, it, was, it was, took a few times going back and forth. And she then explained it back to me. She asked, answered, and discussed. That's reflect. See? Until she understood it. Then I said, okay, before we forget that, let's put it on a metacog. What's this about? In the middle, we do a circle. The section of the, whatever the section of the history was. It was some South African history. This was back in South Africa. And so she put the title and she put the first line, which was the first little heading. She put the subheading on the line. And of those, that initially 30%, she circled. She reduced it down to 15%. And she took those words and she grew little lines and put those words on the lines. And she did a couple of pictures. And then she looked back at what she, I said, okay, now from that metacog, explain to me what this means. And she looked at it and she said, I don't know. I sort of think it's this. I've, I've left some words out. I said, okay, no problem. Go back and look at the paragraph. She went back to look at the paragraph. She reread it again, circled it. Ah, I missed those two words. I need those. I don't need those. I need those. Transferred those over, took out what she didn't want, do another picture. And I said, okay, now that was the recheck. See? And then she said, okay, now explain it to me. Active reach. I said, from your metacog, teach me. Teach me this concept that you've just learned. And so two or four times she went over, she actually then explained it back to me. And so we carried on. I have just explained brain building to you. It is one of the most powerful mental health tools that you can imagine. Because what happened is as we progressed through, within a few weeks, she made a six-month leap. Within another few weeks, she made a two-year leap. Within eight months, that young girl, and I get shivers up my spine every time I tell the story, had progressed back to where she was able to re-enter school and finish 12th grade with her peer group, which was powerful. We had massive improvements in her academic functioning. And what was super interesting is that she was actually quite a bad math student prior to her accident. And we applied this with math, all her subjects. And she ended up becoming such a good math student. And you know how often I found this? Every time I work with someone with a whatever level of traumatic brain injury, because most of the time, the kids that came to me that were adolescents with emotional issues, there was some history of traumatic brain. Not every time. There was trauma. Very often there was a combination of physical trauma and emotional trauma. Most of the time it is that combination. But the amount of traumatic levels of traumatic brain injury were vast. There was almost 70% of people that I worked with had some form of traumatic brain injury on top of some kind of trauma that had resulted in them landing up needing help. And often with major behavioral issues because TBI does, does, does present with behavioral issues. And they're very often mislabeled as behavioral problems, ADHD, diagnosed, very often medicated, and that just makes things worse. Okay? You've got to go to the core issue and you've got to teach. I taught Lee how to learn. That's what I did. I used the neurocycle to learn how to learn. 
protein powders can be intimidating. But the fact is, we all need protein. It is important for so many biological functions, including bone health, satiety, our ability to think and build memory, and our mental health. And as we go through life, protein needs change. So it's important to choose a mix for different life stages. This is why I'm a big fan of Ritual's Essential Protein. It is a delicious plant-based protein offered in three premium formulations for distinct life stages and unique nutrient needs and made with the same high standards approach and commitment to traceability that Ritual is known for. I add their essential protein for 50 plus to water every day for a quick smoothie and post-workout recovery. It is so delicious and with their flexible and easy to use subscription service, I never have to worry about not getting enough protein. I especially love that Ritual's essential protein adds the calcium I need to my diet, helping me to build and maintain muscle mass for healthy active aging. With Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you also know the what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient. They use delicious handcrafted vanilla flavor from sustainably harvested Madagascar vanilla bean extract, as well as other sustainably sourced ingredients like sustainably grown peas farmed right here in the USA. Made with a complete amino acid profile for daily support, Ritual is packed with 20 grams of protein per serving with no added sugar or sugar alcohols. Indeed, all their protein powders are also soy-free, gluten-free and non-GMO. Are you ready to shake up your protein ritual? My listeners get 10% off during their first three months at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. Ritual even offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Just visit ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf today for 10% off your first three months. The link and details will be in the show notes. From there, I developed the NeuroCycle into a whole academic system, and I trained teachers and schools throughout South Africa for 25 years. And I went to some of the worst schools in South Africa. And I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm blowing the horn of the system. I saw people that hadn't been educated, had had in the apartheid system, we had the most shocking education system for the majority of our country. And it was all due to a terrible, terrible principle of apartheid and racism. And I would go into schools, and there was one textbook and 100 kids. How are you supposed to learn with that? They would literally dictate to these kids. It was shocking. They were not getting educated. And I was took on this project. I mean, I must have been young and stupid because who would take on such a project? But I did. And I would go there three days a week for 25 years and I would work in those schools. And I'm telling you, literally every the government did studies of my work independent of me. So it's not just me blowing, as I said, blowing my own horn. And the schools that we worked with moved into what we called the recognized schools. So these schools weren't even on the radar when it came to academic functioning. Every year, our, our um, academic uh, minister of education acknowledges certain schools who have done really well. And some of the schools that we worked at were recognized repeatedly, in, uh, and they, hadn't even, they didn't even know about them before. In other words, these kids in schools that were not getting educated learned how to use their mind to learn and change their brain and worked with their teachers and basically reached academic. So in other words, they were starting to past grade 12 with excellent results that they were noticed. I mean, that is phenomenal. And that is, some of those schools I only worked at for one week. So there is a carryover effect when you are so determined to change because your circumstances are so dire, you'll do anything. Those teachers went, they didn't have textbooks. They went and got newsprint from the newspaper, donated, they stuck it up on the wall and they translated the entire syllabus via the neurocycle into metacogs on the wall and that's how these kids learned and that's how they move forward. I, the, the innovations, I used to go back to these schools like six months or a year later and see how they had applied it with nothing. 
and how they turned that nothing into something. And it, the determination to learn, and that's what I saw in Lee, and that's what I saw, and that's why I'm so convinced that I know that this works. Why well, I'm not just standing here telling you, I've had, I've had hardcore, hands-on experience for many, many years working with people. I didn't sit there developing my academic career and print, printing millions of papers. I didn't care about that. What I cared about was getting into the, doing research in the field with people that needed help. And I was learning all the time. It's changed my life. It's, that's why I can stand here today and share this with you, telling you that it works. I have seen this work with people that have been written off. One of my patients soon after Lee, he was, um, at, when I, when I he, had, he was like four or five years, I think it was four years post-accident post and was sitting there trying to finish matric as well at, at age 24 and had been stuck two years, not non-functional, four years sitting with the same, at the same level, not just, just sitting there all day and just kind of not doing anything. I only worked with him, listened to this for three months. And I never, never meant he moved cities and he wasn't able to, um, to basically come for more therapy. So we, you know, we had a bit of contact over the phone. And then I heard from him a couple of years later. He finished 12th grade. And then I heard from him a couple of years later. He went to university and a couple of years later and a couple of years later, he ended up getting, becoming one of the top criminologists in South Africa. And this was, this, I mean, it was, I wasn't there holding his hand. And this is the generalization ability of, using something like the neurocycle to drive your mind, to drive your brain in the right direction. Lee's scores in her IQ, and I'm not very fond of IQs at all because they're very static. So I got in a neuropsychologist to do um, to evaluate her in a very much in a much more holistic way. And this neuropsychologist found that her IQ had gone from average to above average. It had gone up twenty points with brain damage. Okay, for brain damage from this accident. So, who, so theoretically, Lee was more intelligent post-accident than pre-accident because of how she'd used her mind. And there's a lot of other things we found, but what was really super exciting was the generalization into her, into her language and cognitive and reasoning functions and her psychosocial skills and her emotional management. I didn't work directly on any of those, and every single one of them improved significantly. And I found that with Derek, who, was the, who became the criminologist, and across the board, I can mention many, many more patients. And I say this to encourage you that I have seen some of the worst situations. I spent my life doing that. Now, the second half of my life, I'm telling you and doing this to help you be motivated. You don't have to believe me. You can go look at the most recent research. You can look at the studies that I put up there. You can read my research. You can decide. But you know what? It's worth it. If I'm right, which I believe I'm in going in the right direction, you're going to benefit. You can't lose out. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful 
Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.